Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We are sounding the alarm for the peril and uncertainty that lie ahead. Our commitment is for the objective truth. As The Watchman, we will call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and truth. We will call out the real motives of those living in the land of unlimited imagination. We'll do that by expounding on the underreported facts. Uh, today, I'll be getting to those facts uh, by myself today, and I will, I will promise I will unpack this for you very well. I want to talk a little bit about how this, this Chinese virus, this COVID-19, got started. You look a little bit at the timeline. On December 10th, December 10th of last year, the first patient became ill. On December 27th, Wuhan health officials were told that a new coronavirus is causing the illness. On the 30th of December, top director uh, Al Afin at the Wuhan Central Hospital posted information on WeChat about the new virus. She was reprimanded for doing it and uh, told not to spread the information. On January 1st, Eight other doctors who posted information on WeChat were called in for questioning and threatened to shut up. I mean, how were they threatened? My guess is they were threatened with their life. <laughs> on January 7th, Xi Ping becomes involved in the response. And on the 11th, the Wuhan Health Commission, they were brought in. And instead, there were no new cases. Of the, and they stated that there were no new cases of the virus being spread. So I thought it was interesting. On the 11th of January, the Wuhan Health Commissions were brought in, and they stated there were no cases of this virus being spread. And on the 14th, the World Health Organization stated that the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission on this coronavirus that was uh, that was established there in the Wuhan, China. On January 18th, China hosted its annual Lunar New Year banquet. They had tens of thousands of people gathering for potluck in Wuhan, China. This is where the epicenter is, folks, just so you all understand. This is where it all started. On the 20th of January, China admitted the disease can spread from person to person. So now, 10 days after they said, or nine days after they said it, that couldn't be transmitted, now they're saying it can be. Uh, Zhang Nishan, a top Chinese doctor who is who was helping coordinate the coronavirus response, announced the virus can be passed from person to person. And then on the 28th, Trump initiated his travel ban. He kicked it in on January 28th. Now, other countries didn't do that. They did not initiate, they did not initiate a travel ban, but Trump did. Now, at the time Trump did it, I remember, and we can all, first off, I mean, I hope our listeners can remember, what was Donald Trump going through in January? He was going through the impeachment fiasco, remember, folks? He was going through the impeachment fiasco, the House fiasco in December, and then, of course, the Senate fiasco in January. He was going through all of this, and this was a huge distraction for him during all this. I'm not saying that Trump allowed himself to be distracted, but I am telling you there was a lot of noise going on in the background. Now, maybe Trump works well with the noise on. I don't know. I kind of work better in quiet than I do in, with the noise. <laughs> That's just me. I got a lot of distractions going on. I sometimes cannot become so singularly focused on things. But whatever the case is, okay, if there was anybody who could be distracted by all of this distraction, okay, they were going to be distracted by it. Now, I'm not saying Trump was able to be distracted. I'm simply saying that if he was somebody that could be distracted, 
then the distraction was definitely there and it was definitely real. And it was definitely a product of the, of the Democrats and the anti-Trumpers. And here they were out there giving Trump all of this nonsense on impeachment at a time where he was really at a time this crisis was brewing up in China. And I think that that's a very important distinction. I want our listeners to know that because the timeline spells it out. Now, when Trump did the travel ban, I thought it was interesting because when he did the travel ban, okay, we heard everybody on the Pravda News, the Pravda Propaganda Network, they're all calling Trump a racist, they're calling, calling this a Chinese virus, and they all called him a racist. They said the travel bans were doing too much. You didn't need to do all that. You know, I think it's because they realized that Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden and their, their expert handling of the swine flu, they didn't initiate any travel bans. Now, the swine flu is one-third of what this is. However, it's still a very severe flu. I mean, 300,000. I mean, you got to remember, 5% of all those infected, 5% were hospitalized. That's pretty bad. You know, so let's just cut the comedy. There weren't any travel bans. They just let 60 million people get infected. They just let a little play out. That's what they were doing. Well, I just think it's a very interesting distinction because I wanted to bring that together, okay? And that's why I, that's why I pointed it out. Now, does anybody remember what China did? They did. They, we all remember that the that China killed the whistleblower who tried to alert everyone on the risks of the coronavirus. Because this guy disappeared, he died. But China is a nation that has a record, a record of rapacity, cruelty, torture, deceit, and murder. The Chinese have a record of this. They're a nation that has a record of this, and they killed this whistleblower. The same Democrats. And the same fake pony news anchors on Pravda Networks that you see every day who claimed and decried racism when Trump restricted travel to China. Well, now they're all terrified of getting this virus. ABC News did a poll. I thought it was very interesting. They did a poll that showed nearly all Democrats were concerned about getting this, this virus. And that's right, folks. Nearly all Democrats were concerned or very concerned about getting it, whereas about half of Republicans were concerned. And uh, only about 15% were very concerned. Half the Republicans weren't concerned at all. A very small percent, about well, about 17% of Democrats were. So according to the ABC News poll, I don't put a lot of stock into that poll. I just thought it was distinctive. That's why I wanted to put it out there for you to listen to. But we're seeing people now, and they're wearing gloves and the masks, and they're touching doorknobs and other things. We, we see all this. This is what's happening. Now, we all know now we're, we're, first of all, I want to point a little bit out, but I want to talk a little bit about what, what was going on in that Chinese New Year and the, uh, the big special that went on in China there. And I think it's very interesting. Okay. They had the Chinese live mark, live animal market. That's what was there in Wuhan. They sold live animals to eat. Live animals, including bats, exotic animals like wolf pups. Foxes, rats, and peacocks. Again, to eat. To eat, folks. The wild animals were among 112 items that were peddled at the seafood market in the central city of Wuhan. Other wildlife sold at the market was, they had crocodiles there, giant salamanders, snakes, porcupines, camel meat. They were claiming uh, freshly slaughtered, frozen, and delivered to your door. Look, the disturbing list circulated widely on China's Internet, but could not be independently verified by Chinese health officials. Believe that the mystery virus, this coronavirus, came from this. 
wild animals at the seafood market. I mean, people have talked about this. That's why I want to bring it up on the show. I think this is something worth discussing. It's been confirmed to spread the, it's been confirmed to can spread. It's been there. And, and again, this is, uh, this is some pretty bad stuff, folks. It's some pretty bad stuff. And I just want to point that out because I think it's, uh, it's amazingly different when you look, when you look at what people do eat and maybe what brought this on. But I don't want to miss the idea of what brings on a biological type pandemic or something. Now we do know that there is, or at least is speculated that the Chinese had a, a chemical plant there, a biological plant nearby. I mean, that's been speculated. I haven't, that has not been confirmed, but what is, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about what brings on this disease and, Years ago, years ago, uh, a lot of countries now no longer talk about it, but years ago they talked about biological warfare being fought and uh, what is bioterrorism. I mean, there are concerns. I mean, there were uh, people writing on this as of a few years ago, and here we are in a pandemic. So I want to talk a little bit about it. And I'm not saying we're in anything like this. I don't want to try to raise a panic, but it is important that you understand that this is how people fought years ago. And I think it's a something to think about because this is what brings it on. I mean, let's think about it, folks. I mean, you've got a biological germ that was put in here. Did it come from the food or is the food, was the food just, you know, the food fair, if you will, of the exotic foods? Was that just the cover? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, you can decide for yourself what you think, but I think, I think what's really interesting too, is I, I was talking a little bit about the responses we had to the, to the virus in our previous show on the point. And, uh, Stanford University's Meta Research Innovation Center professor John P. A. Landis, this, suggested that the response to the coronavirus pandemic is a fiasco in the making. Because we're making seismic decisions based on utterly unreliable data. I just think it was interesting because when you look at what's again, and we talked about this in the last show, we don't have complete information. We haven't done enough testing, so we don't know enough to make decisions on whether to shut economies down. We just don't. The data we do have indicates that we're likely severely overreacting. And and that's just the way it is. And and that's what Leon Leon just explained in this article. Now the problem media is calling this COVID nineteen a once in a century pandemic. Again, I talked about that on the last show. A pandemic, not an endemic. <laughs> this may be a once in a century fiasco. Uh, Leonis wrote like, a couple of weeks ago. Look, we talked about draconian countermeasures, and I mean, I talked about it here in Pennsylvania. I mean, we've adopted these things that, I mean, if the pandemic dissipates either on its own or because of measures short term, these measures short term, extreme social distancing and lockdowns are going to be, they may be bearable for the short term, but they're not going to, I mean, what are you going to go back to them intermittently? Is that what the plan is? How can policymakers tell if they're doing more good than harm? And again, I talked about the data not being accurate. They, they just, we haven't done enough testing. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss that. And then you have the problem, the media out there. You got Rachel Maddow. I talked a little bit about this on the last show, but, but I want to bring this up because I didn't bring up Rachel Maddow. The problem, the media is now responding again. Talk about Jake Tapper on the last show. But Rachel Maddow's response on Friday a couple of weeks ago. Rip Trump for being wildly irresponsible and consistently lying by telling fairy tales during the live briefing. I mean, Michael Cohen from the Boston Globe wrote that the simple fact is the president can't be trusted to tell the truth. 
In a crisis as grave as this one, allowing him to spread misinformation is unacceptably risky move. Practically every time he goes on to say Donald Trump speaks about the coronavirus, he exaggerates lies and blah, 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 blah. Look, these people are infuriated. You know what they're infuriated about? They're infuriated about the fact that he's on the TV and he's doing his press conferences. And they're infuriated that he's gaining traction with the American people. He's got the confidence of the American people and they know it. They know it. And they're very concerned about that. They should be. They should be concerned because what's likely to happen is that, well, Trump is gaining the confidence. His favorables or approvals on handling this is 55%. I saw 53% overall approval numbers recently. Um, he's, he's really, he's right at 50%. He's hovering right in that mid range between 48 to 54% favorables. The liberals see this. They know that this isn't shutting him down. They see the, uh, they see the real numbers, not the ones that most people see on the propaganda networks, but the inside numbers. I mean, they run their own polling. They hire polling outfits to do their own polling because they know that the ones you see on TV are tailored to drive, to drive a narr- narrative in a, in a drumbeat. They know that. They know they're not real. And so that's what concerns them. So when you see these people like Jake Tapper, like Rachel Maddow and others, when you see them getting upset and they're, then the, the, the crying that Trump should not be doing press conferences on TV anymore. He should not be doing this. Well, when they're doing that and they're out there decrying this, they're doing this because they know that Trump's gaining traction with the American people. They know that he's going to get reelected. That's why Nancy Pelosi was putting into that bill, you know, what she was trying to, well, trying to stick into that bill. You know, she's trying to put in there increased fuel emission standards for airlines and expansion of wind and solar tax credits. She was trying to put in the rescue bill, the, the relief bill for the American worker. She wanted, she wanted provisions for election law. She wanted same day voter registration, collective bargaining powers for unions, increased fuel emission standards for airlines and expansion of wind and solar tax credits. This is what she wanted. This is what the Democrats think that the American people are just waiting for. This is what the, the Democrats believe the Americans are waiting for at their dinner tables with bated breath. We got to get, we have to get from government, they're thinking. See, they're thinking American voters are thinking, we have to get, we have to get same day voter registration. We got to have that. And I hope Nancy puts that in, that, that rescue bill that goes out there to rescue these small businesses. I want to see same day voter registration. I want to see collective bargaining powers change for unions. I want to see that too. They're all, see, this is what they believe. They believe the American people are waiting for these changes. This is what it's like. When you're in the fifth dimension looking out, you think everyone else sees what you see. What's happening is they, they're giving you a glimpse as to the insanity that's in their minds. So when they, they give you this fifth dimensional, this, this fifth dimensional portal into their brain, you need to have an excedrin nearby real fast because you're going to need to, you're going to get a headache. I mean, this is just some of it. This is just some of the stuff. There's a whole lot more of the, the pet projects that they want. They're not looking to give the American taxpayer any money. They don't want to. I mean, Donald Trump wants to give a direct deposit. Donald Trump is looking to put a direct deposit into the accounts. He wants to give $1,200 to an American, to each American, each American that, that, that earned less than $75,000 last year. He wants each American that earned that. That means a husband and wife could get 2400 bucks. Okay. 
He wants that to happen on April on April 6th, and he wants another direct deposit on May 18th. He sees the Democrats holding up the pet projects, so he's saying, okay, uh, we're going to reassess this because I don't see the Democrats working with me to protect the people of this country. They instead want to politicize this. That's what he sees. That's what he sees, folks. And that's why he said in a Trump and a tweet that he put out on March 23rd, we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. At the end of the 15 day period, we will make a decision as to which way we want to go. And Donald Trump is the leader of this country. He's the leader of the free world. And he's the leader of this entire team that you're going to see. And it's going to be interesting watching him disconnect these people from the news. I can't wait to see his reaction a week from now, folks. I can't wait. Now I'm, now I'm excited. I'm excited again. I can't wait to see his reaction. I can't wait to see how the leader of the free world, how, how our Gideon with a sword is going to respond to the news media. I can't wait to see it, folks. I mean, see, the Democrats want to give us one thing and he wants to give us actual relief. He wants to put money in the checking accounts, folks. He wants to use direct deposit and put the money right into your account. And the Democrats, well, the Democrats, we've already talked about it. They, they want their, you know, they want their airline, they want their airline fuel regulations reinstituted. That's what they want. I mean, they, they want fuel emission standards reinstituted. They want, they want expansions on solar and wind tax credits. I mean, this is absolutely breathtaking for me. Absolutely breathtaking. You know, I said before, you know, I mean, Trump is looking to give those the real dollars in your checking account. Trump wants to have another four trillion dollars in lending programs from the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department, along with private lenders. He wants this available to small businesses. And if you're using it for rent or payroll, he does not want you to have to pay it back. This is what Trump wants. And the Democrats... Well, they want, they want the expansion of wind and solar tax credits and fuel emission standards for airlines. They want same-day voter registration. See, tr- Trump is pushing to help families and people who have been damaged by this virus. He's pushing to help small businesses. And, you know, he's pushing even to help with student loan deferrals. He's pushing all of this help, and he wants all of this. But he realizes that the Democrats are politicizing this, and now they're looking to get their little pet projects into this. No, I don't, I don't want our listeners to miss that because I think that's a very important distinction. And that's why I think Trump did the, 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 did the tweet because I think he realizes right now that he's not going to get the help from Congress. He, the Democrats are not going to participate in any of this. And he's going to call them out for it. And they're going to look so bad when the dust settles on this. He's not going to shut down this economy unless they're going to put real meat on the bone. And the Democrats are not going to put real meat on the bone. The Democrats are all talk. Why? Because this is not about saving lives to them. This is not about helping families to them. This is not about protecting the most vulnerable from this dreadful infection, folks. Not to the Democrats, it's not. No, this is about political gamesmanship. This is about political one-upsmanship. This is about them trying to make Trump look bad, trying to take Trump out. This is what this is all about. These people are playing politics with the lives of people with this virus. And Trump is now seeing this. And I believe he's just not, he's not going to overreact on it. He's going to make sure he said in 15 days, we're going to take a hard look at it and we're going to make what are the decisions we want to make. And I will assure you folks 
that he will call it for what it is. But, I mean, I don't want to overguess what he's going to do because I really don't know. But my speculation is I just think he's going to do a wonderful thing. He's going to seek some way of, of, of basically creating some sort of a hybrid, if you will, of mitigation and suppression. You know, rather than go for mass economic shutdown, he wants to protect the most vulnerable. I think that's what he's going to talk about. You know, things like putting masks in the hands of people, rubber gloves, things like that. And, you know, he wants to look at what other countries did to mitigate their spread of the virus, because some countries were very successful with it. You know, he wants to get all the bad ideas out of the way first, which is, I think, what they're doing now with that one doctor who uh, basically declared that uh, we should just keep on keep on keeping on with this uh, with this lockdown. You know, he wants to keep on keeping on with this lockdown. It was the doctor there, Ian Lipkin from Columbia University. He wants to, he was the uh, Columbia University, uh, he was the, uh, he uh, works for them, Columbia University for the Infection and, and Immunity uh, Center for them. And he basically stated categorically that until we have a vaccine, we need to keep things on lockdown. <laughs> we had Fauci say the same thing. I mean, you know, in Essex, we can keep things on lockdown. Well, folks, that's not going to happen. I think Trump is measuring the cost, the cost benefit here, and that's what he's measuring. And he's seeing that the cost and the benefit is not matching. And I think he's going to make a difference. He's going to make a change here. He's going to do what he has to do. He's going to try to help the most vulnerable. I think that's what this is going. And I think we're going to see a very strong economic turnaround, and he's going to make sure of it. And uh, I don't want to miss that. And again, I, I just think it's encouraging to me to watch the president lead. I love the fact that he's out there in front of this every day and the news media can't stand it because they know that he's helping the American people. They know that. They know that. They know that Donald Trump offers a whole lot more for this public than these people are. You know, they are truly taking up hope that the coronavirus is going to take Trump out. You know, they're clamoring that Trump is doing too little too late. This is truly insane. And Trump is seeing this now. He's starting to see this. And I think he's, he's getting concerned about it because he realized their goals and motives aren't, aren't there. And it's not hard for him to recognize this. He knows what we need to do. I mean, we, we limited travel and tightened up border security from the affected countries. And he knows that that's, he's going to continue to do that. You know, he knows we have to increase testing and testing kits. I think there, there's a new faster test coming up and he's getting, he's fast landing that. So they can do a test. I mean, the, the, the test they currently have is a very intrusive test. It takes a long time to do. And the new tests are going to be like 45 minutes or something like that. And the FDA is approving that. You know, they're going to increase testing in the local hospitals. And, and again, they're going to have testing done in more places because we need testing. We, we have to know the data. We don't have enough data to make the decisions. I think to close the economy. I think Trump sees that, too. We all see it. Everybody sees it. You know, the economic and the emotional toll that's taking here is unbelievable. I don't want to miss that. In my in my business today, I was uh, I met a person, and and you know, you could just see that the stress on these people—it's unbelievable stress. They're afraid. They're afraid. Look, we don't need to be. We don't. Do, we do not need to be preparing for some apocalypse. Okay, this is an endemic. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at, folks. For an outbreak. That's where we're at right now. And that's where we're at. The numbers show that. The numbers reflect that. You know, and I think the, the normal coronavirus is like the annual cold. There's, we've always had coronaviruses. They've always been around. 
goes around. This is just a different strain of it. You know, these viruses do not, they don't do well or survive well in warm weather. And I think we're seeing that because of the few cases that are over there. Because it's summer right now, and we're coming out of summer right now in South America, the continent, and Mexico. Where the, where the weather's warm, you just don't see these, you don't see this. just don't see a lot of it. Africa, Southeast Asia, you just don't see lots of this. You see a little of this. You see not much of it. So, you know, I think we do have some hope here now. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the experts are saying on that. I'm just relating to what some facts I'm seeing on the infected people and the continents and the countries that you see around the world. You know, but we are seeing that the swamp and the deep state do run deeper than we thought. We, Again, we that, that Nancy Messamere, she's one of them. <clears throat> we know that. And I talked about it on the last show. Nancy Messamere, she was the she's the sister of Rod Rosenstein. We all remember who he was. He was the guy that threatened to wear a wire during interviews with the president, trying to take him out for the Twenty Fifth Amendment. He later said he was joking, but you know he he was the one that spearheaded the Russian collusion sham. Okay, and that's his sister. And you know we now know that. If you look back and you look at the donors for Hillary Clinton, I was told by a friend today, I haven't confirmed it, but I, I, I would imagine because it's a friend of mine, General validate stuff. But I think uh, Fauci was a supporter of Clinton. And I think, well, you know, Fauci's been there a long time. I'm sure he's friends with the Clintons. He's an MIT grad. And we talked about Secretary Alex Azer. You know, I mean, he now he wrote the playbook on how to fight the enemy, but He's the one that's out there saying the risk is low and hope remains low. But one thing is for sure, when you look at Trump's press conference and you look at his press conference, every time he's out there, every one of the experts, they all say the risk is low, but they're getting it. Again, it's an endemic. It's an endemic. And when you look at it, you realize what is an endemic and what is a hyperendemic. And, you know, that's highly, slightly higher than an endemic. But it goes to that before it goes to epidemic, before it goes to pandemic. So... I mean, bottom line is you look at, you know, what is, as we talked about before, what constitutes a pandemic? You know, where, where, where is, I mean, how do we, how do we just jump the pandemic off all of a sudden? Because I guess when you look at the Center for Disease Control's definition, it's a multi-country issue, then they call it pandemics. Well, that has to be combined with large numbers of people and they have to define what large numbers are. And, and again, you know, you might think 30 and 40, 50, 60,000 or even 300,000, 400,000, even a half a million. And you might say that's a lot of people. That's a large number. But when you're dealing with 6 billion people on a planet, that's not as many as you think. And again, what percentage of what is it? A, is it a, an, an endemic or what? Well, I mean, what is, is it an outbreak? That just simply crosses other borders. I mean, maybe we need to redefine this. I don't know how old this definition is, but I can promise you this. I think there's going to be a reassessment of what these terms mean. There's going to have to be a reassessment of what these terms mean, because uh, I think we're learning a lot right now about what these infections, you know, to what level we're seeing them at. Well, anyway, we're out of time, folks. We want to appreciate everybody for tuning in today on The Watchman. Thanks for being with us. Tune in every Saturday afternoon right here on AM Radio 1180WFYL for The Watchman. And uh, we thank you for listening in. Uh, a lot of people listen in on going to w, uh, WFYL.com. You can listen listen live there. You can go to the YouTube and listen live there by searching in on the search bar. You can just tune us in when you're in the listening area. However you choose to listen, we appreciate it. Thanks for being with us.
I'm Clay Brees. See you next week on The Watchmen. Goodbye for now.